The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Learn to quiet the noise of the ego and connect to the truth of your soul. Join former monk and host of the Practicing Human podcast, Corey Mascara, for Living in Alignment, a weekend workshop live stream, live from Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, June 28th through 30th. Rebuild your life from a place of embodied listening and quiet knowing. To learn more and register for this live stream, go to eomega.org slash thrive. Hi, and welcome to It's Relatable on Mind Body Spirit FM, where we talk about all things relationship. I'm your host, Carrie O'Driscoll, and I'm so happy you're here. Get comfortable and let's dig in. Oh my gosh. Okay, so today's episode is going to be a little longer, um, if only because I am joined by two guests, Stan Chapman and Faith Scott, both of whom are dear friends of mine and absolutely magnificent human beings. The three of us met um, in various different ways. I don't think there was one really one point in time, but we met in um, various ways thanks to Jen Pasteloff and her writing retreats, both online and in person. And um, then we all had the privilege of spending a week together in person last year in Italy. With, along with Jen Pasteloff and some other really wonderful human beings. But one of the things that the three of us really clicked on was that we had all recently made a pretty significant change or series of changes in our lives. And we were able to talk with each other about what that was like and what the ripple effects were you know, not only the way that it affected each of us individually, but the way that the people around us reacted to our making significant change in our lives. And it occurred to me about a week ago that it would be really fabulous to have them just join me for a conversation about this, because I think there are a lot of people that are in a place in their lives, whether it is because it's post-pandemic lockdown, not post-pandemic, pandemic is still happening, but really post-lockdown, um, or post-capitalism, or, you know, the way that the world is is changing so much, so rapidly. I think there are a lot of folks who are facing the thought of making significant changes in their lives, if they haven't already. And, um, Faith and Stan are both so wise and also witty, and I really wanted to have the three of us sit down and have a conversation about what it has meant to us to change, um, where it felt terrifying, and where it felt exhilarating, and where it continues to affect us, because let's be real, um, our lives are going to continue to change. And I think now that each one of us has made a significant change in our lives, we're kind of primed to keep doing it. So I hope that you will stick around. Again, it's kind of a long conversation, but um, we are a pretty fun bunch. So stick around and learn a little bit about our relationship to change and see which parts of it resonate with you. Enjoy. All right, here we go. I am 
beyond thrilled. I mean, the only thing that would make this better is if you guys were both like actually here in my living room and we were just sitting around and eating some fabulous thing that Stan made us for dinner and um, <laughs> and um, playing with my dogs and talking. But since you're not, we're just going to do it this way. So um, today I just want to talk about our relationship to change because I know that both of you are tremendously courageous humans who have made big changes in your lives. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can relate to, um, both the fear of changing and also um, needing maybe to make some significant change in your life, even if you didn't know it was going to be that significant when you did it. But um, I would just love it if... Um, you guys could just introduce yourselves to the listeners and you can do it however you want. You can be like, this is my name. This is where I live. This is my favorite pizza topping or, you know, what, however you want to do it. Um, so I'm going to poke you first, Stan, and just ask you if you would chime in and introduce yourself to folks. Okay. Um, my name is Stan Chapman. I, uh, live in North Alabama. Uh, I love to cook. Um, I love to fly, um, and I am, I am working to grasp and hold on to the transformation that is what is becoming of my today. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Faith, you want to go? Yes. I am Faith Scott, and I live in a suburb of Kansas City. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Called so you're having a good week. <laughs> yes. Um, so I live in Olathe, and I am on the Kansas side. Um, so it's kind of a border. Um, Kansas City is. Um, and... Yeah, I, it's, um, it's something I'm working on kind of trying to put into words, but I think, um, you know, something that occurs to me is, um, I am healing and I am, I am also a healer and so I am a healer who is, healing all right awesome that's beautiful thank you um yeah so i just really want this to just be a great conversation which i know it will be and i'm just gonna start it out by with this oh, i'm gonna tell you guys this little story um my youngest daughter who is now almost 21 years old um had, was diagnosed with something called sensory processing disorder when she was younger. And, you know, there's a whole spectrum of what that looks like. But one of the things that was really, really challenging for, for her was transitions. So, like, the first two weeks of school after summer break was a nightmare, right? The first two weeks of summer break after school year was a nightmare. Spring break, dear God. Like, you know, anything where it's, like, where she was thrust into a completely different way of moving through the world and being was just 
so absolutely overwhelming to, to her entire self, right? Um, even if it was a good thing, right? Even if it was something that she was looking forward to, it was still something that was just terrifying and overwhelming and unmanageable. And um, one time when the kids were little, we, in retrospect, this was the dumbest thing ever, but we decided we were going to surprise them with a spring break trip to Hawaii. And um, we weren't going to tell them. We were just, we were going to, you know, pack their bags for them. And we were going to get them up early in the morning and throw them in the car. And we we're going to fly them to Hawaii. Well, you can imagine what that does to a child who doesn't do transitions right. well, right? It was a total nightmare for her. So the first morning, you know, we get up in the hotel room and my then husband and my oldest daughter go out to, you know, check on the beach and find the coffee shop. And, and the youngest just melts. She like, my swimsuit is, there's a tag and it's itchy and I can't get the hairbrush through my hair. And, and I don't want to wear that. And when I put my shorts over the top of the swimsuit, it feels funny. And there's like, it was just like, she just wanted to unzip her skin and walk out of it. Right. It was just the most horrific thing. And she was completely losing it. And so I sat down with her on the floor in the bathroom, mostly trying to calm her down. Cause I was like the neighbors on both sides of us in this hotel, are kind of like, we're going to get kicked out because she's screaming and losing her mind. Right. But I sat down with her on the floor of the bathroom and I said, I want to talk to you about hermit crabs. And she was like, what? And I'm like, look, hermit crabs do this thing where they outgrow their shell like multiple times in their lifetime right and when they have to like pull that little soft vulnerable behind out of that shell and like walk away from it until they make it to the next shell it's really terrifying like you feel like every predator is out there looking at you and this is you know and it's like cold on my bum and like that i can feel the air on it and like everything's horrible right this is awful and what if you knew you were safe? And what if you knew that you had a minute to like look back at that old shell and thank it for protecting you and for being that space that let you grow into your current self? And then you get the adventure of like going and finding the new shell. And there's all these shells to choose from. And maybe you don't have to be in a hurry. So how do we help you feel safe now in this space when you feel so exposed? And I think, I don't know where I came up with that. Like I literally just pulled that out of thin air and desperation of motherhood thinking I was going to get kicked out of a fancy hotel in Hawaii. But every time I make a huge change in my life, that's what I think about. And it reminds me to like look back at that thing, even if it's something that I'm like running from, like with my hair on fire, like like my divorce, <laughs> right? right? There were gifts in there, right? There were gifts in there. And I can look back and say, thank you for like letting me be the person that I am now so that I'm strong enough to walk away from this. That's a brilliant story. It's beautiful. And I, Absolutely. Yeah, I can. Thinking about it in those terms, I can, I can feel the confines of 
the shell that's been compressing mm-hmm. parts of who I am, mm-hmm. who I uh, who I want want to have the freedom to show to the rest of the world. Um, but I can feel that constriction or the the creases and lines in in where it was constricted before. Not to that's not to say that I've. I found the uh, the shell of glory that's going to be able to allow me to do everything right away. But right. Um, I certainly have um, taken steps to find that next level shell uh, over the past few mm-hmm. months. Let's call it the last two years or so of of incremental growth to expand what I think my capabilities are to expand the belief systems that I have within myself and to um, allow some of that vulnerability. It is, it's hard to, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not like, you know, there are times when you feel like that shell is cracking, but you also feel yourself grasping hold of that shell and holding yeah. on to it tighter. And mm. while, while you are, um, while you're providing yourself with the opportunity, you're also holding on to those old things because that that's what the that's where the comfort was. That's where the comfort is, right? And it's difficult to uh, to let that thing drop and to run uh, sprinting towards that next that next uh, zone of safety. Um, but it's there, mm-hmm. and you can see it. Yeah. Um, and if you'll allow yourself to go get it, then you can go get it. And that's, it's easier said than done, but that's one of the things that's part of the work. Part of the work is believing in yourself as much as others have told you that they believe in you mm. and going and getting it. Yeah, I love that. It is, there's a quality yeah. of that, like the devil you know, right, is is yeah. better than the devil you don't know. but. I love what you said at the very end, right? Believing in yourself as much as other people say they believe in you. It's kind of yeah. crazy how hard that is sometimes. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you, Stian, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such an honor to to get to witness so much of what you just described. Um, yeah. I was thinking uh, about the metaphor and it made me realize how long I tried to fit in an ill-fitting shell. Mm-hmm. And I squeezed and and pinched and um, and spent a lot of time self-loathing you know really hating myself um and thinking I was really wrong and bad and unworthy because they couldn't fit in this shell that I was supposed to fit in yeah um and there was something in my spirit that was telling me all the time you know like let's go (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like this isn't 
we don't belong here. Like, let's, let's come on. There's, you know, there's some really cool stuff we got to go do, you know? And I think that I like tried to muffle that voice because that was really, I felt like that was wrong for a long time or scary. Um, And then it felt very, um, you know, tempting, um, but always scary. And the cost of that um, would be losing the little bit of um, self-worth and identity that I had kind of packaged, like what I thought that was, um, that I kind of put on other people and other things that weren't my self-worth and my identity. And so it wasn't until I broke um, free of that, that, and started like wandering around with no shell mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of vulnerable and like in the sun and like, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, like literally picture that. Um, that poor little naked hermit crab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. But that's a really amazing um, metaphor, for sure. It is. I think the thing that I love about it is, like, number one, you get to do that. Like, if I'm if I'm going to go with that metaphor and I'm hermit crab, I get to do this over and over again, right? Yeah. It's not like the next shell, like, the stakes aren't so high, right? If right. the next shell that I pick only works for me for a couple of months, that's okay. I can go pick another one. (laughs) Like there's so many cool shells out there. Right. Um, And, and I, yeah, I just, I like the idea too of um, that agency, right? Like I get to decide, like, what do I want the next one to look like? Maybe the last one was sort of like bluish and white and the next one's going to be sort of purpley pink. Maybe, I don't know. I also love that it is, you know, you kind of touch on that with agency. It's, it's autonomous. It's, it's, there's only one, you know, it's just for me, you know, it's, it's individual because we have to do that for ourselves. And that is, um, that's counter intuitive um, and pretty subversive, especially for women. Um, Yeah and um who are supposed to like pour out and give and serve and um and um yeah and 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 like that's the the martyr card is like what you're supposed to wear with pride like that's your um and so yeah to think of like no wait you know i i need to find something that for me first and yeah. yeah, that reminds me a lot of the, you know, the difference of learning, like, and I say this a lot, peacekeeping and peacemaking. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think Brene Brown, I think she's the one who said it, um, like peacekeeping is when you keep the, everyone else's peace outside of yourself, even if that means betraying your own peace. Yes. It's just keeping everybody else happy. It's keeping everybody else like, okay, 
and calm and like, all right, I'm going to please the room, you know, and everything outside. It doesn't, I'll take whatever I need to inside as long as everybody else is okay. And that's, that's peacekeeping. Peacemaking is it's here. Like I will have peace. I will have peace and I will not betray this peace for anyone else, you know, and there will be people who don't like what I need to do in order to maintain this peace, to, to keep my peace here. Um, And if they don't, that's okay. Like that's not my business. They may not like it, but that's that. And that's a, that's a cost, you know? Um, But I'll never betray this ever again. This will never be betrayed. Right. And that's that shell, right? Like that's my, that's my piece. Yeah. Yeah. The, I I think for years and probably decades, other people have issued us our shell in the image that they wanted us to be and have told us that's, that's the only shell that you get. You can grow into that. Um, and part of this transformation over the past months is exactly what you talked about, the transition between being the peacemaker and the peacekeeper. Um, mm-hmm. And there are some folks that uh, are quite uncomfortable with the new response. Yes. They get. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's okay because yeah. the response still comes from love. It still comes from a, a place of authenticity. Uh, it just looks different and it, tastes different and once they understand it then they know well this is this is the new baseline this is um this is who i am Mm -hmm. and if we want to continue um our relationship on the terms that are set forth it's okay um if you choose to not that's okay too right um Staying true to who I am, making decisions uh, that are based on my happiness, my future, my livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that you're you're uh, not considering other people and other people's positions, and you know it's not you don't want to be obstinate just to be obstinate, but you do want to maintain a sense of fairness to self and loving, loving myself first and then allowing that love to go to others as opposed to picking up the scraps of love that are left after I've doled it out to the rest of the community. Yeah. It's the, it's the, I mean, another example is that oxygen mask, you know, on the airplane. There you go. Would always drive me crazy when I heard that. And I would constantly hear that from my therapist. <laughs> I should have, yeah. I should have <laughs> put that together. But, um, <laughs> Sometimes the human brain needs to hear something like 7,000 times before we still, actually, it sinks I mean, in. Yeah, it still irritates me when I hear it. But now <laughs> just because it's so true, like I and I get it. I'm just sort of like, you know, universe or whatever. I'm just like, okay, I get it. Now I yeah. under 
Yes. Well, I think a lot of us were raised in circumstances where like, I don't, you know, you guys have probably seen there was this meme that was going around for a while that was like someone was talking to their therapist and their therapist blew their mind by saying, um, it's your brain's job to keep you safe. It's not your brain's job to keep you happy. And people were like, oh, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that there were a lot of us that were raised in such a way that being safe meant keeping the peace. I know that was my life. Yeah. Right? The only way that I was going to be accepted into the family that I was in was if I kept the peace, right? If I chose myself and started speaking up, I mean, I am the queen of pointing out the elephant in the room, right? And I got in a lot of trouble for that as a kid. I mean, physically beaten for that as a kid. So you you learn, right? And so then you grow up to be this adult who your brain is like, no, no, we we know cognitively this is how to keep you safe is you mm -hmm. capitulate to everybody else, right? But I think there's this, for me anyway, when it comes to like the big changes that I've made in my life, there was this sort of, it's like you talked about this little, you know, piece of you, Faith, was saying there's this core fundamental knowledge that there's something more out there for me. Yeah. But it takes so much courage to ignore the the desperate pleading of my brain to stay safe, right? Yeah. To right. listen to my integrity and my soul and just be like, I'm not doing this anymore. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, and, and for me, it was like deep, deep programming. Like before I was born, I was given a story. Like I was, I mean, you're, you talk about, you know, you were, you were the peacekeeper. Like I was the person who was, I mean, like I was born to be um, the glue that brought, you know, yeah broken hearts together in a, in a blended family that like united a, a tribe right. of, you know, to yeah. like no pressure, family. no pressure. Just keep and the whole family together. Right. And we're going <laughs> to name you this name and it's going to, you know, and, um, and I mean, a couple of things, one, you can't give a, a baby a job like you can't already have a job before you come <laughs> into the world. And, and also you can't, already have a story you can't yeah like that isn't fair because you're never going to that doesn't that's like giving them a shell right before right. you even know right. yeah. what they're gonna do and who they are and and like they you, they need to find their shell right like they they need to yeah. have that agency and it's got to be their experience and and so it's like I was trying to fit in this thing and, and like, I was thinking this story that like, okay, so this is the story. All right. So this is, you're telling me who I am and what I, what my memories are and who, you know, mm -hmm. who I'm supposed to be and what my job is. And so like that voice was like completely the opposite and was just like, nope, those things are not true. There's other stuff. We got to go this way. Like that. Yeah. It's not good. Like everything was like, nope, this was like, <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure I got to stay here. I'm pretty sure like I've got stuff yep. to do. Like everything says like I, so 
changing from that, turning from that, like there's like a whole trajectory shift. It's generational. Yeah. There's a lot, man. And it's also, um, it's like cycles, you know, it's, it's cyclical. It's, it's, you know, you, you mentioned abuse and addiction and, and things like that I had to do, I was do, I began to do in order to try and, um, quiet that voice and numb the pain of compromising and betraying myself, you know, um, and not loving myself and not, you know, and being so disappointed and thinking I'm so bad and wrong. And because I can't fit in that stupid shell, you know, like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like you had like going against everything that anyone ever said, but it, but I felt it so strongly that it was like, I have to go not have any skin and have my guts hanging out for a while. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so, yeah. And that probably, and that sounds a little weird to most people, but I'm telling you, it's the right thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's the other thing, right? It's like people, I think there's this mix of sort of envy and horror that people yeah. have when they see you, you know, making those kinds of changes. It's like, God, well, I sort of wish I had the courage to do that, but holy crap, she's blown up her life. <laughs> what is he thinking? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially when, when you, when you start not asking permission, yeah. when you start making decisions on your, on your own terms yeah and you start you start getting the looks and the reactions it says well, who does he think he is doing yeah. that right he's, he's you're gonna go where you're gonna right. do what that's right how, how who told you you could go do that and mm-hmm. when you yeah. finally you know realize you don't you don't have to ask permission no you don't you never did you you never did no there's no there's no phone you gotta pick up there's no there's no checklist you have to fill out and permission slip you gotta go and and get signed before you go and make changes in your life you just go do that yep. yeah you make, you make that change you you start to live that life that you've always needed and known within your heart was waiting for you and it's it's brilliant it it's hard because you know you're you're surrounded by the comfort of the things that you know yeah but the glory that awaits on the other side is it's it's soul satisfying and when you get it you get one taste of it you know you get one taste of it and then you there are days when you collapse back into that old shell and you know you get into the old ways and the old habits but you still have that lingering mm-hmm. taste and you want more and then you go get a little bit more and then, a little yeah. bit. And then that's the new cycle that we want to start. That's, that's the way that we want to gain the traction to propel us toward where we want to be. I remember Stan, I remember when I 
like started doing, you know, I had a lot like, so I, you know, my mom had died. I was newly sober. I was going to um, the first in-person writing retreat um, that I had been to. And I had, I mean, intense imposter syndrome. And I was just nauseous because I just like, who am I? Like, what people are going to be like? (laughs) Like, I'm just going to have like big lights, like... (laughs) does not belong here. (laughs) What is she doing here? Um, And sitting and just talking and just being so comfortable, like by this, by the second day, I like, I could barely contain this feeling where it was like, like we, like we talk the same, we we like have the same brain. And it was, I didn't know how to put it into words, but it happened in Italy too with you. And we were all together and it was because we we were, we're on this journey. We're all trying, you know, to listen to that voice, listen and, and lean in and be brave and, and yeah. get weird and <laughs> heal yes. and trust and 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 we know that there are times where we're going to run back and and try to get back in that old shell but the thing is is we don't we don't belong there and we don't fit yeah and there's no way anymore you know like and so we can reach out to each other like we have yes. a, the whatsapp group right like we reach yeah. out to each other and it's this is we're we're out in this together and it just like once we find the others, <laughs> yes. our, our fellow people who are wandering and exploring yeah. and trying and with like our hearts open, it's yeah. like, okay, like there are more out here and we're, yes. I'm not yeah. alone. I'm really not. So yeah. There are things we lose, but man, there are things we gain that are so beautiful and I wouldn't trade them for yeah. anything. Yeah. And I think there's this other, like, it's, you know, kind of what you said, Stan, like when you get a little taste of it, right? It's that, again, I'm just going to keep bringing myself back to this little naked hermit crab, but because like, it's that like, and you too, Faith, talking about, you know, that first day, you know, or the second day where you're like brains on fire and you're talking to people and you're realizing, right, there's this, it's, there's like this extra sensitivity this almost extra sense of aliveness so you know my when I think about change like this I think about when I left Seattle I lived in Seattle for 27 years my kids were all born and raised there you know I mean I had a career there I had a 23-year marriage there and when I decided to leave it was because I knew that shell wasn't like it this is not my place anymore there's nothing else for me here I had no idea where I was going. I was literally like sold my house, gave away all my furniture and all of my things, sold my car, threw my two dog rescue dogs and my daughter's tortoise in a rental van. And we just started driving south, like (laughs) literally me and these three animals on a road trip. Right. (laughs) And it was terrifying. And also I've never felt that alive like we spent the first night on the Oregon coast and I went to high school on the Oregon coast, junior high and high school on the Oregon coast. So I know it very well. And I've never experienced it like that. 
like there was this like I was terrified and I will tell you I <laughs> I had this post-it note that I put on the dashboard of the van that I was driving and then I brought it into wherever I was staying every single night and I stuck it on the mirror in the bathroom and it had three four sentences on it and I believed one of them and the other three I really 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 wanted to believe and that was my mantra and I just kept saying it to myself I must have said it 10,000 times right over and over and over again, anytime I would start to feel that panic and that fear come back. And the sentences were, I am safe. Didn't believe it. I am loved. Didn't believe it. I have resources. That one I believed. And I deserve joy. Didn't believe that one either. But I just kept saying them. And I just kept paying exquisite attention to like, where am I? And I don't have to know where I'm going. That's right. But just, you know, zigzagging our way down through Oregon and California and having like, I, we had these ridiculous experiences. I got pulled over by this um, state trooper who I swear was 14 and a half. I mean, it's <laughs> like, I swear to God that he just was like, I'm like, is it Halloween? Are we dressing up? What are, what is, I don't understand. Like, it's, you know, and he sees these two dogs and this tortoise in the front seat. And he's like, he was just so confused, but there were just these like absurd moments. And I just, was able to inhabit them fully, but I think it was that feeling of being exposed, right? It was that feeling of like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know there's something better out there for me. I know there's nothing more back in Seattle. There's just nothing there for me anymore. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. I'm done with that shell and I'm going and it's like, I don't, and I feel that way about, people that I talk to when (laughs) I realize I haven't talked to them in a while and they kind of look at me like hi so (laughs) (laughs) are you (laughs) are you done with your nervous breakdown yet (laughs) have you finished that (laughs) yeah are you okay like what's are, are you are you are you through with that phase? Are you back to normal? And when they, like, no, I am full woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> like I really want to have like like um, handfuls of like dark purple glitter and like, <laughs> <laughs> like throw at them when I- <laughs> I'm fabulous. <laughs> oh. I think it would be amazing. Um, but yeah. you know what I'm sending you in the mail next week, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what you're getting in the mail. Yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. It's yeah, when people ask, like I it's I started in the beginning, I felt so like I just I felt guilt. I mm. felt so much guilt and so much shame. Yeah. And um, such a weight and like, because I didn't know, 
Like I didn't have this very neat plan and everything else in my, I was the first person in my family to go to college. I knew I was going to be a teacher. And then I knew I was going to be a counselor. And then I knew, you know, like I always kind of had these things and this is, this is my job. I am the mascot or I hold the banner. (laughs) And, you know, and it was just kind of like, so I'm just not going to do those things anymore. (laughs) Right. I'm moving towards these things and I'm not sure exactly. Um, But yeah, my answer now, I mean, a lot of times people had asked like, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing? Like in education, the big thing is our, you know, retirement, like, you know, getting to like, for, you know, in Kansas, it's capers. Right. And um, as if it's like some huge, (laughs) Right. Like, you like could live reasons. just barely above the poverty line as a retired educator in Kansas. Right. <laughs> like, right. right. You're going to miss the gold mine thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just, um, and at first, I mean, I was like, it was that, you know, scarcity kind of idea. And yeah. Um, but now I just say I'm healing. I'm healing. Right. And, and I'm learning how to help other people heal. And, and I thought like all these things I was excited about were totally out there and different, but really they're all like connected, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like the more that I step closer to those things and away from the things that were draining me and pulling from me, um, it just gets clearer. And I, I don't need to know the end and there isn't an right. end. I just right. keep, stepping like keep taking good care of me here and living as authentically as I can and with as much love um as possible and yeah and staying open and and it's been really beautiful and right um yeah yeah Yeah. I I guess you know to go back to you know, finding your people, um, yeah. and, and realizing that alignment so early after, you know, your strangers on Sunday and by Tuesday, it's, you know, that these are, these are your people. Um, yeah. you, you are faith. You are a healing healer. Mm. You, you've said that at the top, but w- one of the hardest things as you know as a peacemaker is you're you're called upon to provide advice and counsel and comfort to those around you um and sometimes it's hard to to ask for that to yearn for that and to receive it um so we've got great skills in in sharing wisdom um but sometimes we don't we don't hear it ourselves. And one of the magical things that happens when you find your people is you find yourself using your tools that you've always had in your tool bag. And then you have somebody that looks you right in the eye and says, um, did you hear yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I call bullshit. (laughs) Did you hear the words that you just gave me? The wonderful, the wonderful thoughts and love that you just poured my way. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so I'm going to put up the mirror. You know, <laughs> you just say that again. Yeah. 
And you start I know you to are. realize. What am I? Exactly. <laughs> you start to realize. You, you know, you have that, but you you never you never realize that the gifts that you were giving others were really you need to start giving those gifts to yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that, you you can still share with the rest of the world, but you got to make sure that you 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 talk to yourself every day. So you know, Carrie, yeah. when you talk about that post it and those four things, yeah, there are. There are days when I feel good about maybe one in three and mm-hmm. um, two, not so much. And there are days when you, you're having a great day and all four feel really good. Yeah. yeah. And the journey, at least the journey that I'm on, is to try and find more of those all four days than yes. the zero days. Because the yeah. zero days are hard. Yeah. Um, and there are some, you know, those zero days, it's going to happen. But yeah. you continue to use the tools and, and it's so much easier when you have that community, those communities that any, any given second, you can just lean in and you fire off a message and it could be to one person or the group or, yeah. you know, you just say, you know, today's tough or, you know, I find joy in being there for others and being there, um, proactively you don't have to wait until somebody's having a really lousy day yeah just just send a little bit of love and if you if you can just send a little bit of love guess what that that makes me that starts my day off great um and hopefully the person that receives it on the other end maybe they needed it or maybe they can take it and put it in the bank and they can pull it out the next day when they really need it um we have those tools and if we'll allow ourselves to share that and to receive it freely yeah and we all get better yeah and what i see is that we um i'm so grateful because these are spaces you know that we have found that um we can do that for each other and with each other yeah. only because we've shown up and kind of been that yeah. like without our shells <laughs> and yes. kind of shared like the, you know, the vulnerability and, and been really honest about that. And, um, and, you know, in, um, I mentioned I'm in recovery and, and that's such a powerful um, support Uh, And I go like three times a week and it's so amazing. And, you know, nobody there is there to fix anybody else. And I mean, that's part of the structure. Um, And like, it's very clear, (laughs) like you didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. Like you're there to just like, we just bear witness with each other. When you say somebody like you'll say you say your name, you say what you you know what you're struggling with, um, and like when when people repeat your name back, they're saying your name, not not what you're struggling with, right? right. They're not mm-hmm. attaching that to you, right? Yeah. They're they're saying hi to you, and and they listen, and then you you know, and then they say thank you because you just shared something and it's powerful and important. And, um, and that has been like this really, and I know nobody else is going to pick up my stuff and I'm not picking up anybody else's stuff. Like there's just power in that and just right. like comfort and 
and that those are the types of spaces that I want to be in, you know, where it's authentic, where it's real. And you start to like, like you're, you're, um, and less tolerant <laughs> of situations <laughs> that are not that way, right. like small talk and um, platitudes and toxic positivity and things like that just are painful for me now. Like I, it's yeah. more, and it always was kind of, but now I'm just kind of like, yeah, I can't do that. I can't, I cannot go to that because I, yeah. I don't, you know, if somebody asks me how I'm doing, I don't ever really say fine. (laughs) 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 Right. And that's it. So, and I recognize that now, you know, I understand not everybody can. (laughs) That's why I'm a little more like, I'm a little more introverted now. Like I'm, I'm careful because I, because I'm coming in hot, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the, the beauty of those, spaces is right again if we're people whose brains were wired to be the peacekeepers to be the people who gave of ourselves to be the people who made sure that life was smooth and wonderful and amazing for everybody else which by the way is bullshit and right because life isn't supposed to be stagnant Mm -mm. you know our, our like life is supposed to change with things are supposed to change they always are changing we just we just don't like it that way because it's too unpredictable for us sometimes right but so if we were those people that were that were taught whose brains were wired to to think that it's our job and that our it's that that's how we belong that that's how we find our our people that that's how we find our place you know in in society and in culture and in family yeah then finding spaces like the other communities where people will hold you right where you get to experience what it's like to be held in care and consideration and love just because you exist on the face of the planet right people who like i don't need to understand why you decided to make that big change in your life my only role here is to offer support if you get scared or if you falter, right? Right. Then it starts to rewire us, I think. And we start to learn what it is to feel safe in our own skin. And that it's like so profoundly sad to me that what we've done to ourselves and each other is to teach, (laughs) to teach ourselves that it's not okay to be comfortable in your own skin. And we have to like unlearn that and then, relearn how to be comfortable in our own skin but i think that's the magic of those spaces right is is to be able to yeah like i know i could get up in the morning and text one or both of you and just be like oh dear god today's going to be a train wreck i'm terrified right and you would both reply instantly and be like what's up i think i have texted you probably both Good. Covers. I know I have. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anyway, right? go on. <laughs> I just that's the, I mean I just think that that's the beauty of it and it goes back to the thing that I said to my daughter as we're sitting on the floor in the bathroom in this, you know, hotel in Maui is 
What if you felt safe? What if you knew that you were safe and you could venture out? What would that look like? And how do we get there from here? Right, because that's the gift, right? I mean, how how do we feel safe to make the choices that our soul most wants us to make, right? When your soul says to you, there's something more out there for me than this. Mm-hmm. How do we feel safe to get there? I think that's, I think you, you know, hit that nail on the heads. Mm-hmm. You got to find your people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious to know from both of you where, like, like, how did you know it was time to change? Like, was there something in your body? Was there something in your mind? Was there just a, like, you got up one morning and went, fuck it. You guys, if folks are familiar with human design, I believe both of you have a three line in your profile. Stan, you're a one three. Faith, I think you're a three five. And the three line is the fuck around and find out line. <laughs> it's the like I have to experience life and try shit in order to know. Like, so I don't know. Was that what your experience was like around change, or was it something like? Was there just like this aha moment? Was it sort of a gradual, you know, realization? Was it made from the pit of despair, or was it you know? Basically, yes, for me. (laughs) Um, I, so yeah, I was in education for like approximately a quarter of a century. (laughs) You are the youngest one here, by the way, Faith. So I like, no, I'm just saying I really like to say that because it feels, it definitely feels Mm -hmm. accurate. Mm -hmm. I adore kids and um my heart is for kids and families and the people um that I worked with who were there for the kids mm-hmm. and the families for sure. Um but I definitely had that mindset that I wanted to, you know, I was, you know, I was fighting the good fight and right. um and it got harder and harder. Um, because, you know, there was less and less. Right. And as a counselor, you know, you, you are, so I taught for 12 years and then I was a counselor for the, for the rest. So kind of half and half. And, um, you know, with COVID, with um, just the world, um, it became, you know, just more and more heartbreaking. And it was very, very hard to have boundaries um, and to be able to leave things, you know, that were happening at school and, you know, um, come home and see that I have a guest room that has a mattress when I can't find, you know, just a twin mattress for a kid, you know, like right. that I know it doesn't have a mat. Like, why do I have a mattress? Nobody sleeps on, but like a couple of times, like, that's not right. What's going, you know, like, yeah. so it's starting to like, it was kind of pulling at me, um, getting more and more frustrated with that. Um, but then also, um, my parents, um, my mom, you know, her health, um, deteriorated over several years. Um, she had a vascular degenerative vascular disease, um, that 
slowly um, deteriorated her um, from um, her toes up and her legs had to be amputated um, at one point. And, and then um, it was in her brain. So she had vascular dementia. Um, my dad um, was incredibly devoted to her and um, insisted that, you know, she stay at the house and that he would take care of her. He didn't want her to be in a facility of any sort. Um, and it was too much for him, but, um, but it was his choice, you know, and it was their choice and it was their mm -hmm. life. So I wanted to help honor that for as long as possible. Um, and especially through COVID, you know, that was, yeah. um, yeah. you know, I got it. I totally understood. And, um, you know, she, um, she died and when she died, um, you know, I was with her. I was, I was holding her hand. I was the only one who could be there because I didn't have COVID. And, uh, and, and that was when my dad fell apart and seeing him fall apart for the first time, um, just something broke in me. He had mm -hmm. never, ever, ever fallen apart. He was a Marine. He was just tough as nails. Um, and you know, he was so devoted to my mom and like would stay at the hospital. It didn't matter if they wanted him to stay, like he was going to stay. So I would yeah. stay with him, you know, staying at the hospital to try and kind of help smooth things out with being the peace. Yes, you were the peacekeeper. Please don't arrest my dad. Please don't. <laughs> um, but so when he fell apart, like, like that did a couple of things I couldn't, um, I had to, I couldn't grieve, um, my mom right. because I had to like, it's like everything turned to him. Um, and yeah. in that process, you know, I'm still working. They live, they lived 30 minutes away. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I, um, I, I spent a lot of time trying to help him through that. Um, but his health just started to like, he just slowly fell apart and, and died less than a year later. Um, and I knew, I knew it. I, I was watching it happen. And part of that was, um, a, you know, what I, what I was learning about my, myself is things had gotten so hard and so heavy and I just had nothing left. And so as soon as it was possible for me, I would get numb, you know, as soon as I could get home and, and be quiet and get ready for bed. Like I just wanted to just numb. And so if that was alcohol or pills or whatever, um, that's what I would do. And, mm. and I knew that that was not good. Um, I knew that that wasn't sustainable. Um, my blood pressure of course was like, you know, going sure. skyrocket. My, I had chronic, I do have chronic migraines, but they were just, you know, off the charts happening constantly. Um, I have degenerative arthritis. That's, um, 
you know, I have it because it's in my family, my mom, um, from my mom, but I was, I'd had like shots, um, cervical spinal injections, and I had, you know, that would get worse with stress and inflammation. So like, I'm doing all the things that it's like compounding and compounding these issues and challenges. And, um, like my blood pressure would get so bad and then the pain would just be like blinding Mm -hmm. and I'd go to the doctor and like after my dad died, he, I wanted, I needed to take an FMLA leave and it finally was for, um, you know, mental health because it was just like, I, I just can't, you know, and I'm thinking a week and a half, you know, a week and a half following the funeral. If I can just have that, that would be, that would be good. And my doctor was like, well, I'm going to sign this, but not for a week and a half. Like you need to take more time. And, and he finally told me like my, um, you know, he just kind of laid it out. He's like, something has to give like your, he said, your blood pressure being as high as it is all the time. He's like, you're on two different medications to try to lower it. And he said, but he said, all the stress, all the, you know, sadness and the grief and all the things that you're doing to try, you know, he's very lovely, all the things you're doing to try and like calm that. He said, you know, you're causing damage to your heart. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, we have to do an echo. We need to run some tests. We need to see what the baseline is of this damage because this is how women drop dead. This is how they have cardiac arrest. And he said, your outside does not match your inside. And that is, that should be terrifying faith. He said, you are talking to me. And he said, you have a smile on your face. You're, you know, acting like you are not in blinding pain and that is not okay. And Mm. And I remember just thinking, like, there's not ever a time I'm not in the pain. Like, right. what are you talking about? You know? And um, so, yeah, it was, that was, yeah, that was February um, of, I mean, that was February a year ago. February. Yeah. I just have to say, I... <laughs> I got like full body goosebumps when, when you said the thing that your doctor said to you, right? Like you're, you're sitting here talking to me and you're acting like mm-hmm. you're not in blinding pain because yeah, <laughs> yeah been there, right? Yeah. How many times have we done that, right? Have we masked Have and how well have we learned to do that and how... Yeah. Like, man, if we could figure out how to tune into our body wisdom, like knock, 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 pay attention, knock, 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 pay attention before it gets to this, like, you have to do something different now, right? Right. Um, And and so the thing I was more terrified of was I thought, but you don't understand, like, if I if I'm still you know, like, yeah, I'm good. That's when I'll die. Like I kept thinking right. like I will die if I stop, like I can't be. Still. And I thought then if I, if I get sober, like I'll have to feel all of this and yes. I will die. 
Like I, <laughs> like that was literally what yeah. I thought constantly. Yep. It was in my brain. That was the message. My brain was like, you're going to die. Like when yeah. you, this, you can't do that. You can't do that. You you'll die. Like, yeah. and you know, like you're actually not going to die, like literally, but it's what your body is like. Your nervous system is saying like, you know, everything is gonna, you know, and, and so I, I spent a long time with my body going like this, like, you know, yeah. So that was, that was a lot of the first part of sobriety (laughs) was feeling like I was walking around with no skin and my guts out and everything was like, (laughs) so so I'm sure it was a delight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but thank goodness, right? Like, right. I'm really grateful to be here now. I mean, it's yeah. a little over a year later, and I'm <sighs> so grateful. So, so much has changed, and right. and um, I could not be more. I could not be more grateful and more certain that the changes that I made <clears throat> and continue to make, and the direction that I'm going, and like the space that opened up because of those changes yeah and the beauty that has poured in um like i just yeah i I got it yeah and i I love i love the opportunity to be in that community to watch that and to watch watch the the well of love and acceptance for yourself bro it's it's a beautiful thing um um i guess my my transformation experience is probably more born of um identity or lack thereof um you know my you know the past let's go back maybe you know 20 years you know my my title was either Cassie's dad or Blake's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was married for 18 years. Um, and, you know, after the divorce, still everything was focused around providing uh, a comfortable, uh, safe environment for the kids to get them off into the world. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the focus. That's the energy. Uh, again, the, being the call it the peacemaker to conform my spirit to make all the other things around work right and so you you, you can do that because you have a focus you have a you got a job you got a goal you have you have some mm-hmm. things to, that you can do every day um and all of that of course within the shell that you've carried and you know when it cracked when I got divorced. Um, you find the duct tape and you patch it up because you still need to try and keep, keep parts of that shell, uh, together. Yeah. But as the kids started off on their life's journey, um, you know, I found myself, um, kind of wavering a bit and, and looking back, I, you know, I've, I've found that I was, um, I was morphing 
my responses to the people who I wanted to be close to, you know, I, I look over and I, I see, you know, I, I was dating a lady who needed to have lots of, uh, filtration equipment. She had some health issues that, um, required, required that. Mm-hmm. And so she'd had this, uh, air purifier. I have one of those. I don't need it, but I knew I bought it to try and bring the tools that I needed to be in that relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that I was doing, doing all of that. So about, you know, two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago, when that relationship ended and I found myself morphing into nothingness mm-hmm. and not not really having a solid sense of self. Um, and depending on the situation, whether I was with family, whether I was with colleagues at work, whether it's, you know, we're going into COVID and lockdown. So is it, you have this Zoom call, you have one personality, then you have to switch to another one. And there was mm-hmm. never, never a core um, that I felt was comforting and that served me. And that's, it's so, so much energy draining, trying to make, make those changes and those flips all of the time. And that's right around the time when I found Jen and started doing, um, workshops and fires and, um, uh, smaller writing writing workshops with with her and um she'll tell you that i sent her a, a message on instagram and she decided that i was not a bot from india that was trying to steal all her money <laughs> and, she, and she responded and um and then she said um y- well you know you should do some one-on-one coaching with me and i i you know in my shell Mm-hmm. I said, well, I've got to think about that because that means, I mean, there's some deep, deep stuff and that means exposing all of that and letting somebody else see that. Um, and then one night about, you know, I'm up at, because I'm by myself, I'm watching TV, um, I'm drinking a glass of wine and I finally said, you know, that's something that you probably ought to do. Mm-hmm. And so I sent this message that says, okay, when do we, when do we get started? And we did, I want to say one session, two sessions, and we had done some other, other of that small things. She goes, you know what? You really ought to do the virtual retreat that I've got have coming up in May. And I said, well, I don't know. That's, that's a lot. And it, one, going into that space where um, there is a palpable energy, female energy that's there. That's a support mm-hmm. system. It's an ecosystem that um, I know I can learn from and I can support, but I don't want to disturb and to take away from the things that those ladies want to accomplish. But again, you know, you have those moments of, well, okay, you, sure, I'm going to do it. And then you step into that space and that's where I found, you know, what we call our fireside tribe. And, you know, that was May of 2021. 
um, one of the things that we weren't able to do in the virtual retreat is to have those moments like we had in Italy of after the session, let's go have lunch. We're going to have dinner. We're going to sit. We're going to talk about things that are outside of the session. So we didn't have that. But uh, Amanda, uh, one of the ladies that was in the session with us, she organized a different Zoom session um, on Tuesday night uh, for us to have that space to um, to kind of talk outside of the work that we were doing in the retreat. And it's what are we in February of 2023? And we've held that Tuesday night session every week. I love since that. May of 2021. It's it's so special to have that tribe of people, that community that you can lean into. Yeah. And so, you know, you're going through that, and then Jen says, "Well, I want you to come to Italy," and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, what? <laughs> really?" Um, and then you you get on the plane and you say, "Yeah, I'm going to go to Italy." And you yeah. have the same hesitancy standing in the train station and seeing all these, you know, beautiful ladies that will, are going to come and they're going to come together. But there's a reason for them to be there. But you also realize that there's a reason for you to be there. Absolutely. And I, and I, I don't think that the transformation that occurred for me in Italy would have been possible were it not for the work that I'd done yeah. at the previous retreats and the previous. You know, having that that time in the abyss of trying to be the glob that's trying to find his shape and trying to find his center, not having that time would not allow me to have the strength and the courage to set the boundaries that I set today, mm-hmm. to, to settle in and to be who I am, who I'm becoming today. Yeah. So it's for me, it's not, it, it never is a snap thing. It is, it is stepwise. It is several doors opening, but when yeah. it's the doors open, it's open. And right. um, there's no, there's no going back there. Right. When I, when I bought that leather, that yellow leather jacket, <laughs> you mean my, my <laughs> yellow leather jacket <laughs> you, when yes. you, yes. <laughs> I yes, I remember that. it well. <laughs> um, that that was, I mean, the the stain from two years ago. No, he he would have found you know the most drab. Man, let's get this blue one. I mean, I have two bags from from my two trips to Italy. One of them is just a little. It's a leather bag, and it's a gray leather bag. The other one is tricolor. It. <laughs> Matches the fashion that goes with the yellow leather jacket. Yeah, it matches the, the style with the hat. I mean, there's there's perfect. a different confidence that comes with who I am today. So, um, yeah, and I'm not I'm not going back. And if you can't get on the train, <laughs> see ya. I wish I, you well. Yeah, no, I love that because I think I think you're right. I think there is this sort of like gradual foundational kind of thing that we have to do but what i would say is similar in all three of our stories well there's a couple things number one is like there was a leap of faith right there was a moment yes or maybe more than one right 
like getting on the plane to Italy, right? Or yeah. for you, Faith, going to Mexico, right? Going to that retreat yes. in Mexico. Like, right. I'm worth this. I'm going to do it. Holy shit, right? For me, yeah. it was literally selling my house and giving away all my stuff. Like, there was talk about not going back. Like, there was nothing to go back yeah. to. I had no choice, right? Yeah. So I think that's one thing is, this, yeah, we do this sort of work that can maybe even almost be invisible but then there comes that point where you just take the leap of faith and i don't know about you two but i didn't think about it very much like i mean i thought about it but then i did because there were people who were like are you nuts what why would you do that right i couldn't afford to go through the normal channels of logical reasoning and figuring out if this is the right thing to do right so there was a leap of faith the other thing that strikes me that's similar about our situations is there was someone who kind of nudged or poked. Yeah. Right. So faith, your doctor sounds phenomenal. And seriously, if I could ever find a doctor that I trusted who would talk to me like that, I would be in heaven. Right. And Stan, it sounds like for you, it was not only Jen, but the, you know, the Tuesday group of folks. Right. Um, and for me, the, the final little nudge, I, you know, was it was my friend Teresa because I called her. I decided I made the decision to leave Seattle after my two youngest kids moved out, and I, and they moved to California. And I was like, "There's nothing here for me." And so I and I was in my head, and I was thinking about it. And I remember calling my friend Teresa one day and saying, "I just like I can't. I'm like pacing. I'm like itchy. I'm like, I feel like I'm trapped. I, this is, I don't want to be here, but I don't know where to go. Right. And I'm hearing my dad's voice in my head saying, well, you can't, you know, quit a job until you have the next job lined up or you can't, yeah. you know, like you need to know where you're going. It's like, you got to run around in this shell that's too small and like search all the other shells and have the next one lined up so you can slide, slide right into it. Right. I'm hearing my dad's voice in my head. And I'm just like, cause I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't, I I wasn't sure. I just knew there was something better out there. My friend Teresa just started laughing. She goes, you're not trapped. Just go. Just do it. She's like, go. And it was that. And I thought, holy crap. She's right. Like, nobody's telling me they're going to throw me in jail if I leave the city of Seattle. Right. Like, I can just go. And it's like, you know, back again to what we talked about earlier. Like, you don't have to ask permission. This is why I always wanted to be a grown up when I was a kid. You don't have to ask permission. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think it is important to say that. Well, okay. First, I just need to say, Stan, that I just, again, love you. And I'm just going to say that a lot. I love you. I love you. <laughs> the reason that you enhanced the ecosystem and, and, contributed so much beauty to it is because of the reverence you had and the awareness that you have of the fact that there is this ecosystem to begin with. Like you saw this space as like, okay, these women are coming and I don't want to disturb this. Like just the, I just the fact that that is even something that comes to your mind that you respect and want to honor that's the difference. That's it. And that's yeah. why like it was it was amazing and wonderful and I couldn't like I am so grateful. I'm so grateful 
that you're a part of that memory and story and a Mm -hmm. part of my life. And you are a safe, you are a safe person. You are a safe man. And, and that is a big deal because I have deep stuff and deep hurts and having a, having a safe man that I like feel really comfortable with, like is like truly comfortable. Like that is, it's so it's a beautiful, liberating, like healing thing. So I just need to make sure you know that again. Thank you. Okay? I, I love it. You know that. <laughs> I love you too. Yes. Um, so can I say something about Mexico real quick? I do. Sure. I it's important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that really was a, a critical, um, that was a turning point for me. Cause that was after, um, so that was the Thanksgiving um, after, um, my mom's death and it was right before my dad died. And, um, so, um, we had gone to pick him up. We brought him to our house and drove him home. And, you know, it was incredibly, you know, sad and hard. And, um, I had come home and I was laying kind of sprawled out on our living room floor and we had already put up the Christmas tree, you know, like we were, Mm -hmm. I was just trying so hard to like pull for joy, you know, like we had already had like just reaching and it just was so, cause it was the first Thanksgiving without my mom, everything was so meaningful. And so everything hurt so much, you know, every mile marker and leaving my dad alone, you know, was brutal i hated it i hated it um so that was another i needed i wanted i felt like i needed to drink you know to like Mm -hmm. i felt so much guilt like i'm leaving him alone and he's mourning and he's by himself and this is happening but it was like i knew i needed this huge trajectory shift and um so ace um who is um in la was this was her first retreat and that she was getting ready for. And it was at Shinalani in Mexico. And I had been following her and just like dreaming, you know, about <laughs> going. I was really, really not in a physical <laughs> place where you might say, hey, Faith, why don't mm. you go on a yoga retreat <laughs> where there are 176 steps or whatever, (laughs) like literally up the side of the mountain. Um, But I really, really, really wanted to, I just had this call. I had this feeling and was like, I needed different. I needed to be different. And I didn't even know at that time that I needed to stop drinking. Like I knew something big needed to change. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was this open air, like you stayed in these, um, um, three sided, they're called palapas. Palapas, yeah. Yeah, three sided thatch roofs. And so the one side has matchstick lines that are open, and it literally is up the side of a mountain, which is actually a jungle. And um, you had to take a boat. So you flew to Puerto Vallarta and then took a boat, a 45 minute ride mm. on boat by boat to this beach. That was the only way to get to it. Um, and it was this eco resort. And Like, but it was just for like this, it was this really small, like, it was so cool, like, and (laughs) fresh food right on the water. And 
um, I had never done anything like that ever. Um, and I ended up talking to her. Um, I sent her a message that, you know, I had a question because she was, you know, trying to get people to sign up and there were only a couple of spots left. And, um, <laughs> and I ended up getting to talk to her that night. And I told her I was going to cry. And <laughs> so like the message, she was like, cool. And so <laughs> I had like a blanket wrapped around me and I was sitting like, uh, like on the couch next to the tree. And I was just like, so this is the first Thanksgiving. And, <laughs> and she was like, what are you, you know, why, what is holding you back? And I was just like, I think everybody's going to be in thongs and I don't know if I can climb those stairs every day. And I'm like, and I'm like listing off all the things. And she's like, look, I can't tell you what people are going to be wearing, but I'm not going to wear a thong. Like, you can just come and lay by the water and like, this is yours and like yeah. fresh food. It's beautiful. It's the ocean. You can ride every day. Like you can sleep by the ocean during that you don't have to do yoga if you don't want to like this is just a gorgeous beautiful place and she's like if you want to you can join us you can take hikes she's like it's amazing and she's like if it's if you feel it calling you like come on like go for it yep. so yeah i got off the phone and i paid the deposit and it left on christmas day i i left on christmas day oh, through wow. Um, New Year's Day. And, um, and she said about the steps, she's like, yeah, the steps, I mean, they're no joke, man. She's like, <laughs> she's like but um, she said, take your time. That's the point, you know, like, yeah, stop and look around. She's like, it is the jungle. It's magic. And yeah. breathe. She's like, there are little wooden signs that have messages for you to read for, you know, like stop, drink some water and, and read them. It's little wisdom, you know, like, and the jungle wants to teach you things. So come and do, you know, come listen. Mm -hmm. And I literally, it was amazing. We did the Tamezcale ceremony in the like little sweat lodge, the hut. And before we went in, you could, you know, there's a mixture of herbs and it's, um, I mean, it was the most beautiful ceremony. And um, there's a shaman who it's like, that's his family line. And, and you, you share what you're, you whisper into it, like what you are releasing. Mm. And um, before you go into the fire, they cleanse you with the smoke and then you throw those things in the fire that you're releasing. Mm. And then you go in and it's, it's like, yeah, it's real hot. <laughs> <laughs> they call it a sweat lodge for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of smoke. Appropriately um, branded. <laughs> yes. And, uh, but I mean, a really beautiful, powerful experience and you go around and he asks what you, what you are asking for, like what you want, mm -hmm. you know? And I, and we didn't know, like, you don't know that that's going to happen. And I said, um, radical peace and freedom. Mm -hmm. And like I said, <laughs> and I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> I said it. I thought, 
Um, but that that means I have to do stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. Damn it. Some work. Can yeah. I go again, sir? Yep. Psych. <laughs> this kidding. <laughs> I love that. No, I mean, I think, um, you know, the thing that I just am, again, struck by is um, that on some level, we all found the courage to to listen to our soul, right? And override our brain. Um, And choose ourselves. Yep. Even though we didn't necessarily know what that meant right like i'm gonna choose my i'm I'm gonna start over i'm gonna just ditch everything and start over right or or i'm gonna try to create who i think i am or who i want to be right and and the thing that i think is so or that i want to reflect back to both of you is not only was that a gift from you to yourself but that was a gift from you to all of us I mean, I've gotten to witness portions of this with both of you. Even if I didn't, the fact that that you both took that leap of faith means you're probably more predisposed to take another one when you need to do it again. And it has shifted the way that you move through the world. And I can say the way that you both move through the world is just an absolute gift. It's, it is just, I am so pleased to have you be some of my people. I just thank goodness every single day that you are on the planet. It, I, it, it's just, and I think it's the, it's the courage, right? It's the courage and the conviction to like, I'm going to just pretend that I'm worth it until I, you know, fake it till you feel it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to express my amazing amount of gratitude to both of you for being who you are and for choosing yourselves and for joining me today in this conversation. I'm yeah. just so Thank grateful. You. And make sure you read that in the mirror too. Cause yes. um, I do still have, I literally still have that post-it note up, you know, and I, yeah. and I look at it and then I do have a sticker on my mirror in my bathroom that says you are loved. And some days I feel it and some days I don't, but that's sorry. So I'm going to leave us with this quote that I love that's hanging above my desk. And I don't know who this person is, but his or her name is A.L. Kitzelman. No idea who that is. One of these days I'll look it up. But the quote is, the words I am are potent words. Be careful what you hitch them to. The thing you're claiming has a way of reaching back and claiming you. I love it. Wow. Yeah. And I just, Mm. you are whatever you say you are in this moment. And the next time you want to change and be something different go do that because because i trust your instincts at this point guys <laughs> thank you thank, thank you, you. you carrie love you guys love you stan <laughs> this was an honor thank you so much yep. mm-hmm. yeah this has been fantastic thank you awesome thanks
that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of It's Relatable. I'm your host, Carrie O'Driscoll, and you can find links to all the things we talked about on this episode in the show notes on the webpage for the podcast at mindbodyspirit.fm. Please reach out to me with questions, comments, and ideas for the show and download episodes and leave reviews on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you stream podcasts. If you like, subscribe, and follow, you'll be sure to get updated whenever there's a new show to listen to. The music at the beginning and the end of the show is a clip from a song called Get By. It was written by Lauren O'Driscoll, Alexander Parker Lawrence, and Moses Ray Walker. The song is performed by Lorelai and Sam Rydell, and you can find the whole amazing song wherever you stream music. I highly recommend it if you need a mood lifter. I also want to give a shout out to Moses Walker for helping me produce this podcast. He is always and forever making these technical themes seem so much more doable for me, and I am grateful for his expertise and advice. Until next time, take care, mind your relationships, and be well, everyone. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network, in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. Contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.